often take time to do so. And so because we live so busy and we are always kind of fluttering from one thing to the next, I just want to invite you to take advantage of slowing down, feeling your breath, and getting a sense of who you are and how you're feeling today. And I want this space to be kind of designated for us to do that. So I want you to think with me on this question as we begin our story this morning. What, what would you say if I, if I told you that you might just have exactly what you need? What if, it, if you thought about that the things that you have in your life, the things that you can do, the gifts that you have to share, what if you have just exactly what you need? And what if where you are, no matter what the nature of the season that you're in, uh, maybe you, you're in the midst of a very busy season, maybe you're in the midst of one that's slowing down, but what, what, what would you think about if I said to you that even wherever it is, you have something to offer? There's no need for us to wait to acquire everything we think we might need because truthfully, if that was our plan, we might be waiting a really long time, right? But what if, yeah, that was kind of funny, yeah. It was good. <laughs> Thanks, Beth. Beth always laughs at my, <laughs> I'm not very funny, but thank you, Beth. What if the most valuable gift that you have is right within you and it's right in your hands? How many of you guys have ever thought along this line of thinking? Um, you might say to yourself, well, I'm just not ready to try that. I, I, I don't, I'm not brave enough. I don't have enough courage to even try. Or what if what I have to offer is just too small? It's not significant. What, what I have to give is never quite good enough, so I probably shouldn't offer that. What's in front of me is far too big, so therefore I can't step up and give it a shot. I will never have my life together enough, so why even try? If people only knew me, they would know that I'm just a complete fraud. They knew the real me, and therefore I have nothing to give. But putting those thoughts aside, I want you to to think about this now. Where have you seen God use and bless exactly what someone came to offer? Where have you seen God use and bless maybe exactly what you came to offer? A friend of mine recently was telling me the story that there was something that she was gifted in doing and she had not used that gift in a really long time. And she decided uh, kind of nervously to say yes and just to give it a shot. And she went into a situation kind of not really knowing exactly how it would all pan out. And I was so excited to hear her say that supernaturally that gift came back and everything that she had used years and years and years before was right there at her fingertips. And she knew that it was God that was walking her through using that gift once again. Perhaps the parts of you, the gifts that you possess, that you've maybe well underplayed, have proven to be exactly what you need to be able to bless the people around you. Have you ever been brave enough to say to God, well, it may not be much, but here I am. It may not be big, it may not be grand, and I don't know exactly how to offer myself, but I'm here, and I will do what you want me to do. My grandma Nichols, um, she, she, well, I, 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 love, I loved dearly all of my grandparents. My, my grandma Nichols was just this incredible woman. Um, 
she was six feet one, six foot one, so she's a lot taller than me. Um, she was just a wonderful woman. And when she was declining, she had had a severe stroke, and I was able to get up back um, home to Perrysburg, Ohio, one last time before she passed away and, and have a visit with her. And I remember I walked into her room. She was at um, a facility called Perrysburg Commons, which was kind of assisted living facility. And I walked into her room, and she was sitting in her her, up, her armchair upright, and she had the blinds open, so like the sun was kind of beaming on her face, which she loved sunlight. And she didn't turn towards me because her stroke had kind of prevented her from being able to move as freely. But when, as soon as I walked around in front of her chair where she was seated, she recognized me. She knew that it was me. And she saw me, and um, her face lit up, and her eyes got wider. And she said in like her true northern Ohio accent, Oh, Jody, you're here! You're here! And it was just so special to me. That was one of the last times I got to be with her. But isn't it so true that when God sees us show up, this is how he feels. He lights up tenderly, and he may look in your direction, and he might say, oh, Jody, you're here. You're here. <laughs> Thank you for being here. I see you. He loves when we bring ourselves to him, and we offer exactly what we have to give. And he sees us when we're here. So what if what you have in your life is just exactly what you need to give. So we're moving along in our series this morning, Telling God's Story. We've been walking along in this series for the last several weeks. And it, what's really awesome about this, and you'll hear each one of us bring this to your attention, that the whole church is doing this series. So if you have children that are in the back in our kids' programs, all of them are telling this story. And so it's a really great tool for us to be able to have conversations with our, our, our children and our families and to put us really on the same page as a church and as a, a body of believers and, and a family. So we're really excited that we're telling the story that our kids are also hearing. But as you hear this story today, you'll be reminded that Jesus will choose to use and he will find ways to use exactly what he has before him. And those seemingly small and insignificant gifts that we might actually toss away or discard, he actually swoops them up and he uses them to meet the needs of many. Now, throughout the story this morning, um, I want to make you aware of, I'm going to try to do something a little bit different in our group today. So as I mentioned at the beginning, I really want us to remain mindful of one another and to remain um, just present in that, recognizing that there are needs represented here today. So as we tell the story, um, there's going to be three moments in our story today that I'm going to ask us to pause and to pray. And whether you're comfortable just closing your eyes or taking a deep breath or just listening to my words, I'm just going to ask that you be respectful of that and just give it a shot. You know, we don't often slow ourselves down enough to even talk to God. And so I'm going to actually try to help us use this space today to do so together. So would you try that with me? So in Luke chapter 9, we read that Jesus was intending to break away. He wanted to withdraw with his disciples into the, the town of Bethsaida. They had just uh, done a lot of work. His disciples, in fact, had just been called by him. The 12 had been gathered, and he had sent them out to begin their work. And so they were off in these different towns, and they were performing miracles and healing people and just seeing the power that God had given them to use and to, to, be, to be able to, to work in these towns. 
And so they had come back from this time and you see that Jesus had called them together and he wants to take the opportunity to withdraw with them and to be able to talk about all that they had just done. So this, um, this is what we read, the beginning of Luke chapter nine, um, verses one through six. This is when we see that the disciples were called together and he had given them uh, the power to go out. When Jesus had called the 12 together, He gave them power and authority to drive out all the demons and to cure diseases. He sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra tunic. Whatever house you you enter, stay there until you leave um, that town. And if people do not welcome you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave their town as a testimony against them. So they set out and they went from village to village preaching the gospel and healing people everywhere. And now was their time to retreat and to recover, to pull away with Jesus. Um, I think it's really valuable that we just pay attention to the fact that Jesus talks about rest. He talks about getting away. He talks about having that time to recover. And it's important for us to even just pay attention to that and not skip that over for ourselves. But As they withdrew and they were intending to be alone, the crowds began to discover that they were there. And it didn't take long for that crowd to grow. And they followed them. And so, see, Jesus was kind of new on the scene and his ministry was growing and people were starting to pay attention to what he was saying. He was trying to teach this new kingdom living. And people wanted to know more. They were craving this message and they were longing to learn. So the crowd gathered. They couldn't get enough of his words and this new perspective, and so they showed up. But what the crowd received that day uh, was probably far different than what they had expected, and yet it was just exactly what they had needed. As you continue to read the story in this chapter, Luke chapter 9, we figure uh, this crowd gathers and they have some needs. There's some things going on because the crowd is growing. And the scripture says that there's about 5,000 plus people that are gathered together to listen. And here in verse 10, we'll pick up the story. Whoa, hey, back. You lost me for just a second. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. They took... Um, He took them to withdraw by by themselves in the town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the 12 came to him and they said, send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we're in a remote place here. You know, there's no food. And Jesus replied to them, you give them something to eat. And they answered, well, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish. Unless we go and buy food for this whole crowd, about 5,000 men were there. But he said this to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50. The disciples did so, and everybody sat down. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to set before the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 baskets full of broken pieces that were left over. So the disciples' first request here to Jesus was that he needed to get these people out of here. Like, they were getting hungry. The crowd was growing big. This crowd had gathered so large, and it was late into the day, and they were in this remote location, so there wasn't, like, food readily available. It wasn't like they can just go grab something. 
So the disciples, perhaps they were actually getting tired and hungry themselves. They had just come off this time of working in these different villages. They wanted that time with Jesus. And, and here they have all these people gathered to listen. Maybe they just wanted some time to be alone. But how fitting that Jesus takes their request and he turns it back around to them. The disciples are urging Jesus to let the people go get some food because they're hungry. And he answers to them, well, you, you should give them something to eat. To which the, the disciples replied, well, we only have these five loaves. We only have these two fish. In the Gospel of John, we read that this, comes, this offering comes from a small boy. And, and they go and they, uh, they add to the story, you know, if we were to go and to purchase uh, food for all these people, in the other Gospels we read the disciples saying, this would cost about eight months' wages to go and to feed all of the people that have gathered here today. But Jesus, connecting his disciples to this miracle, he turns the request around to them and he says, if they are hungry, give them something to eat. Have them sit in groups of about 50. And so the disciples did as he asked. They were a part of what was going on now. So I want to make a quick side note, because this is something that I will never forget about learning about this story when I was growing up. And um, I was in my first New Testament class in college, my freshman year. I was taking a, a, a like New Testament one. And we were discussing this exact miracle. And I remember like the professor like going on and on and on about the big crowd of people. And so I raised my hand and I was like, is anybody else concerned that like there's no way Jesus could talk to 5,000 people loud enough like without a microphone? Does anybody else wonder how his voice was that loud? And I, and I remember that my professor, I, don't, I mean, I kind of got a chuckle like that in the class. And he said, you know, um, Jesus didn't need a microphone because he had the loudest preaching voice ever. And I was like, yeah, but 5,000 people, that's a lot of people for like, uh, anyway. And then I also decided to mention that if, if, if it was late in the day, like that it wasn't probably the most like time like plan for the 12 disciples to try to break up 5,000 people into groups of 50. Like, do you know how long that would take and then go feed them? Anyway, I didn't really raise my hand much after that in that class, <laughs> but I was like, isn't anybody else thinking about this? Come on. Um, time efficiency. Anyway, there was a basic need that the crowd had in common. They were hungry. And we've all been able to probably relate to what that feels like, right? When you've waited way too long to have something to eat, anybody get a little feisty? Is that like, yeah, that's common. Don't elbow the person next to you. That's you. She's talking about you. Um, how does that work out for you when this basic need is not fulfilled? Do you, you start to get a little bit grumbly, maybe borderline angry, some of you? But what happens here, and the first thing I want to point out in this story is that Jesus cares about a very basic need. He cares about our very basic needs. He doesn't skip over what seems unimportant. He doesn't undervalue even the things that are little. And what we know as humans is that when we have our physical needs met, food, water, warmth, safety, rest, that we are far more equipped to be able to experience things like belongingness and love and acceptance. And this crowd needs a miracle because Jesus doesn't want their hunger to stand in the way from them hearing the message of his kingdom. He doesn't want to risk them leaving before they're missing the whole point of what he's trying to say. So we see and we experience Jesus in this exact same way time and time again. 
He comes to us exactly where we are. And he doesn't shy away from our needs, both great and small. He comes to us and he shows us that he has the capacity to love every space that we occupy, every role that we play, every heartbreak that we bear. He reveals to us that he cares and that he always cares. So this is a moment that I'm going to ask for you guys to pause and to think about a need that you might have this morning. Where do you really need God to show up in your life? And I'm going to pray over us in this moment so you can close your eyes or you can sit and listen. I ask God for him to come near to us as we pray. Lord, breathe on each person and each need fresh in this place. And now allow us to receive new life and new healing for the needs that we have. Take away all distractions and evil thoughts and desires. Remove our anxieties and our fears. In this moment, we are asking for peace over our burdens. We are asking for strength to trust you with our needs. May we be still and know that you are God. May we be still and know that you are the Lord who brings healing. May we now hear your words, peace, be still, as we bring our needs that we have before you. Amen. The second thing that we see that happens in this story is that Jesus brings the disciples in to the miracle. He partners with them. They come to him and they say, Jesus, we need you to respond to this need these people are hungry and they're going to leave. They're, like, they're, there's no food around. And he turns back to them and he says, all right, so you need to give them something to eat if these people are hungry. Jesus could have taken upon that miracle on his own. We know that. We know that he could have just taken this one himself and not gotten them involved at all. But he knew that this crowd was tired and it was hungry and he knew that this need before him was something that he could easily take care of. However, he saw the value in allowing the disciples to take ownership of being a part of the work that needed to be done. How often do we come before Jesus and we declare, okay, I need this, I need you to do this, I need you to do this, this is really important to me, okay, here, I'm just, I'm just going to give it on to you, just go ahead and take care of that and I'll check back in. And how often does he look back to us and he says, okay, I hear you, I'm with you, but we're going to do this together. He models to the disciples that he is passing their work, this work into their hands, just as he ultimately prepares them that his his body, his physical body is going to leave this earth and he's going to return with his father and he's going to continue the work in their hands. He's preparing them moment by moment and showing them that they have the power to do the work as well. He values our participation in his kingdom. He has a message in his kingdom, and he values you and I being a part of getting that work done. Perhaps there is an area in your life that you've been presenting over to to him. Here, okay, take this from me. I, I need your help here. But what I want you to do this morning is to imagine now that he is asking you to go to work with him. That he is asking for you to take part in your miracle. You get to be a part of your miracle. That's good news. 
So quieting your hearts and your minds again, I want you to think about this. Is Jesus asking for you to take steps with him, to work with him? I invite you to listen and pray with me now. Let my heartbeat be in harmony with your heartbeat, God. Let every part of my body be filled with your spirit. Fill me now with your stillness, with the reality of your living presence. Help me now to pray even when I don't have words. Help me now to see where you need me to get to work. Help me to see those who might be hungry. Help me to see those who might be thirsty. Help me to be a part of this miracle. In my breathing body, may my body and soul be at one with you. Ease me into the places that you are asking for me to show up. Amen. The third thing, and this is the last thing that I'm going to point out in this story, is that Jesus blesses exactly what they have to give. The disciples come and present Jesus a laughable amount of food, right? Like this is obviously not enough food to feed this big of a crowd. And in no way is this amount going to be suitable to, to, to make sure that everybody in this crowd gets something to eat. We all know that. And in fact, one of us, you know, many of us would look at this and think, what were they thinking? Why on earth would they say, well, we have these five loaves and two fish? Like, why would they do that? Who would even imagine offering Jesus that tiny amount of food? But the disciples offered exactly what they had. And as it turns out, what they had to offer was exactly what was needed. And Jesus makes this moment sacred as he does so many times. We see him do this time and time again as he breaks the bread and he blesses it. And it becomes more than enough that what this crowd needs to, to eat and to be full and to be satisfied. He takes what they had, small, insignificant, laughable, and he makes it just perfect. He meets the needs of the entire crowd. And as I began with you guys today, I asked you the question to think about, what if what you have is exactly what you need to give? What if where you are, no matter what the nature or the season that you're in, what if you have everything that you need to offer to him? I'm going to invite the band to come on up. And we're going to take one more quiet moment together before they lead us into a song. And so I would invite you to once again just allow yourselves to be quiet in your hearts, in your minds. And I want you to think of the question, what do I have to give? What do I have to offer? Barbara Brown Taylor, in her book, An Altar in the World, she writes this quote, and I just love it, and I'm going to share it with you before we pray. All I'm saying is, is that anyone can do this. Anyone can ask, and anyone can bless, whether anyone has authorized you to do it or not. All I am saying is that the world needs you to do this because there is a real shortage of people who will kneel wherever they are and recognize the holiness holding its sometimes bony, often tender, always life-giving hand above their heads. That we are able to bless one another at all is evidence that we have been blessed 
whether we can remember or not, that we are willing to bless one another is a miracle enough to stagger the very stars. So this is our last prayer that I'm going to ask you guys to, to be mindful with me in this moment. Lord, enable us now to do the things before us which are seemingly impossible. Enable us now to see the gifts in our hands that you will choose to use no matter how big or how small. Unworthy as we are, Holy Spirit of the living God, take our gifts so we may honor and glorify your name. Allow us to show fruit, your fruit, in our lives each day. I would love for you to consider, if if it's available to you, to stand or sit or whatever makes you feel comfortable. And we're going to sing a song together. And I want for you to think through these three prayers and, and to consider the questions that we thought of today. Recognizing that you have something to give and that Jesus wants to partner with you in the work of his kingdom and that he cares about even the basic needs in your life that you might think are not that big of a deal at all. He cares. So whatever kind of reflective space you feel comfortable in, whether it's standing or staying in kind of a posture of prayer, I I want you to sing this song with us to worship and to make this an extended moment of these prayers and, um, and our time together today. a space in every beating heart There's a longing reaches past the stars There's an answer to every question mark There's a name There's a hope flowing through these veins There's a voice that echoes through the pain There's an ember ready for the flame There's a name And we will fix our eyes on the one who overcame We will stand in awe of the one who breaks the chains. Love has a name. Love has a name. Jesus. Love has a name. Love has a name. Jesus There's a joy that triumphs over fear There's laughter wipes away all tears There's a presence 
changes atmospheres there's a name so we will fix our eyes on the one who overcame we will stand
So um, I would love for you to stay standing with me for a moment if, that, if that's what you're doing, or if you're, you're not, if everybody would stand. So if, if you feel comfortable, I'm going to ask you to participate with me because I think that there is something quite significant about feeling the presence of the people that are around you. If you are comfortable, I would invite you to grab the hand of the person that's next to you so you can feel a connection with someone here, a touch of someone's hand, a shoulder, arm around or something. Move if you have to. So there's... There would be no way for us to know in this place exactly what every person is experiencing. We can only fathom. You know, I only shared with you the, the, the burdens that we heard about. So you can't even imagine what the other things that are taking place, you know, in the darkness and the hard stuff that are in this room. And so as you feel the person that you're holding hands with and the people that are around you, we're going to pray together for one another today. God, as we join hands as a community and as we can feel your presence surrounding us and as we can sense that there's heaviness in our community of people that we love so much and that we do life with, our family, we ask that you would surround us all with strength and wisdom with courage and bravery to offer the things that we have, the gifts that we may have that seem small, that can touch the people around us. Give us the courage to use them, to pick up the phone when we're prompted to, to grab that lunch ticket when we have the money, to hug that neck when we're not quite sure, to say, I love you when it seems valuable, to see the people that we're surrounded by so they know that they are seen as we join hands as a community today, allow this to be symbolic of us lifting each other to you, of us saying that we are in this together. We are one family. Brothers and sisters before you, we're all one. We're all the same. Put us all on the same page so that we can be reminded that we are significant to one another. We, in fact, need each other. And we need to be reminded that there are days that some of us can't even fathom the next breath or the next step. Call to our minds and our attention those brothers and sisters that need to be lifted up to you and let us bring those needs before you. Allow the love that's in this space and this community to be what translates in our larger community and world. Allow us to never stop or never cease telling the story of your greatness and your goodness. Let us take that with us wherever we travel. And it is in your precious name, Lord, that we pray these thoughts and these, these uh, prayers together today. And as a community of believers, will you say with me, amen. amen. So thank you for being with us today at The Grove. We appreciate your, your time. For those of you who are joining us for the family meeting, the potluck that's going to follow um, in the back downstairs. And make sure uh, before you go, don't forget the, the baskets in the front and in the back for our giving. And we'll see you next week.